Thanks for pressing play, swimmers and swimmers. I'm Garrett McCaffrey, and joining us today is the head coach of the men and women at The Ohio State University. This past week, he was named to the staff of USA's World Championship coaching staff. He's Bill Dorincott, and this is the Swim Swim Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Did you enjoy your week last week in Greensboro? Garrett, it was, uh, it was a heck of a week. And, uh, you know, not, not just our two top guys that, uh, that made the team, but really top to bottom. We had nine kids out there and, and final exam started last week. So we took kind of a skeleton crew, but we also took kids we thought could get second swims. And, and sure enough, we swam pretty well. Let's start with uh, one of those top guys, Hunter Armstrong, and the success that he had last week. When did you know Hunter was going to go off the way he did? Well, it's, it's really, you know, th there's a big backstory. I won't share it right, right now, but, um, you know, Hunter was late bloomer, and he really started to come on the scene uh, the summer after his senior year of high school. And, and Mike Davidson and Brenda Worley from up in that part of the state did a great job of, of you know, helping him grow, helping him improve. You know, he broke out that summer, made the U.S. Uh, national junior team. Um, you know, we, we had Hunter in camp here. In fact, we had his older brother Jake in camp as well a long time ago. And so we've known him for quite a while. And then, you know, he came in, transferred up here from West Virginia. And uh, that first year was just getting used to training and, and some of the things that we do in the weight room. Um, the two weeks heading into this, this meet, uh, Hunter was really, really on a roll. And, you know, Matt Bow, who coached our male sprinters, was up in Canada with Ruth Langaziev, who made the Canadian World Championship team. And so Brian Tansel was running workouts two weeks ago, and Hunter was doing some stuff from a push one Wednesday afternoon that, quite frankly, was unbelievable. And that's when the buzz started within our staff of, hey, you know, he could make a run at a world record. We really thought it would be the 100 backstroke based on what he was going on back in pace. And, uh, you know, hats off to to Matt Bow and Brian Tansel and our strength coach, Ryan, Ryan Sprague, and you know, our trainer, uh, Nate Quibido as well, because those guys have done a great job of just helping Hunter progress to the point he's at right now. There was a video posted of him going 52 high, 53-0, and uh, you know, it was on your watch as well. So I know you knew he had gone that and might be what you're alluding to, but did you know he was going to post it? No, I didn't. And, and uh, so... I was across the pool and I had him at 52.84, you know, and, and the kids probably joke say, you know, was it mama's watch or, or daddy's watch? And so I, I had the faster watch and, uh, you know, I showed it to him after, after practice and then he posted it and, and two days later, it was a Friday afternoon. I said, you know, that's a pretty big flex there, putting that out there for the world to see. And, uh, you know, so he, again, he had momentum, he had confidence. Yeah. Can, can you allude to any of those other back-end uh, showings or any sets that he was doing that you just kind of said, wow, his 100 is there um, from start to finish? Sure. Again, two, two weeks out, it was a Wednesday afternoon. We were set up long course. Uh, 100 suited up. Um, it was four rounds of 350s plus 100 easy after the first round, 200 easy after the second round, 300 after the third round, and 400 after the last round. So the first – 50 of each set of three 
it was a 25 dive all out, 25 easy, and then 250s hitting back end pace. And the first round was on a minute, second round 110, third round 120, and last round 130. And Hunter went the first two rounds uh, backstroke, he went the last two rounds freestyle. And so he averaged 26.4 from a push on his four backstroke efforts. And we just, you know, we thought, man, that's pretty good. And he could make a run at this thing. Yeah. Um, before he got a chance at that 100 backstroke, uh, he went off in that 50 backstroke fastest ever. Um, and the biggest takeaway I think people were talking about when they watched the video is his tempo for such a big guy. Um, how do you guys work on that in practice and where are your focus points in tempo? Cause it's a dangerous game of trying to spin your arms really fast. Sometimes leads to you slipping through the water, but obviously he was grabbing a ton of water. Um, how do you talk about tempo? And if you could even, you know, give us some examples of drills or sets that you do to work on that. Well, you know, again, in full disclosure, you know, Matt and, and Brian run the show on, on the sprint side of things. We mix things up within the week, whether it's strength or power or underwater kicking or some of the different components. Um, Hunter's always had a lot of tempo. He's added some strength to that tempo. And then certainly the power work he's done, whether it's been, you know, power tower shoots, uh, power racks, you know, has added something to it. So I think people that, that looked at him physically a year ago and then looked at him again physically this year, uh, would notice that he's added some strength to his frame. And, and his frame is a gift, right? I mean, he's, he's built for speed. I think the scary part is that he's really just scratching the surface. I mean, he, uh, there, there's a lot to improve on. There's a lot to, to go from here. And so um, his upside's unbelievable. Yes, still figuring out even, you know, all the things that he's great at. I think it might have surprised some people uh, that he made the, the team as well in the 100 freestyle. Was that a surprise to you and your staff at all? You know, he does most of his training freestyle. So I'd say 75% of his training is freestyle, not backstroke. And, and again, you know, he was doing some things leading in. Obviously, he had a good short course season. Um, probably not as good relative to where he's at long course-wise internationally. But, you know, he's 41 mid in the 100. You know, put up some nice splits on relays as well. So, you know, it didn't come as a complete shot. Quite frankly, you know, Matt thought he might make a run at 47. And um, so it's a good progression. You know, I think he was 49 low a year ago, 49.3. So, uh, you know, going in, the, going in the right direction. And then he kind of shocked the world as well um, with an announcement that he was going to forego his last two years of eligibility and, and turn professional. Were you part of, of that discussion at all with him? Certainly we had conversations and, you know, he's been thinking about it and, and, you know, he is a better long course swimmer than he is a short course swimmer. I'd be lying if I, I said that uh, we're not going to miss him because obviously it's been a big part of what we've done. Um, but we're going to support him and, and it's the right thing to do. And, you know, he always represented Ohio State with class and with dignity. And, and so for that, we're always going to be grateful. Will he remain in Columbus and training with you guys? I think that's to be determined. You know, he's going to have so many opportunities. You know, I, I do believe he could go a lot of places and, and have success. And the question is, what's going to be best for him, not just athletically, but also for his, his growth as a, as a young man? Because, you know, that was probably my biggest concern was not the swimming part of it, but just continuing to be in an environment with people around him who could support him and, and just make sure they have his back. Yeah. Well, I mean, the success, he's not alone. Uh, Charlie Clark also made the team, right, in, that, uh, in distance freestyle. Um, how did, what does that say about your program as a whole? And 
when did you kind of have a good feeling about what Charlie was capable of last week? You know, Charlie's a, he, he's a pretty amazing story in and of himself. Um, you know, the two guys have a lot in common. They're both Ohio natives. They're both, both small town guys. They weren't rock stars coming out of high school. Um, somebody told me the other day that, that, you know, Zach Apple and Hunter Armstrong, uh, you know, they both made the U.S. Olympic team. They never won a state championship coming out of high school. And, you know, Hart, Charlie was a kid that, that I'd watched results really closely. I'm, you know, I'm an Ohio native, and so I'm always checking meets, and sometimes they're off the beaten path meets, you know. So it might be, you know, the, the Flag City invite in Findlay, Ohio in the summer, and there he is going prelims and finals at 12 events. And so I think there's something to be said for somebody who loves the sport, loves to race. You know, he was good his junior year of high school, and, and he's not a really big, imposing uh, kid. You know, his, his strokes are good, but not unbelievable. And, you know, we started the recruiting process, and, and it was really a good fit personality-wise. And he came down and I said, I said, look, Charlie, we'd love to have you, but we're going to ask you to walk on. And he said, what do I need to do to get a scholarship? I said, I'll tell you what, if you qualify for Olympic trials the summer of your senior year, I said, I'll give you books. And so he made trials and, and you know, he came in on a book scholarship. And so he's made us look pretty good ever since. But, uh, you know, he, Garrett, he does some things in training that, that quite frankly, are unbelievable. And um, it's just uh, both those guys, just it's been a, a pleasure to coach them. You know, we all, including the viewers, love hearing about those things in practice. Can you give us any examples of some eye-opening Charlie sets that kind of made you realize things were on the right track? Well, let, let me go back first. So Charlie loves to race. Like anytime we do a set, and I, you know, I'm talking about distance sets, right? Like maybe go 3,600 meters and, hey, can I get up and dive the last effort or something like that? He always wants to race. He always wants the next goal. And so we finish um, NC2As this freshman year, and he has a good NC2As, right? He goes top eight in a mile, kind of unexpected. And he goes, hey, can we go to open water nationals? And I said, well, Charlie, you know, we, we really haven't prepared for it. I don't know that it's a good idea. And, and he just, he wouldn't take no for an answer. He said, all right. We, so we go down there, and uh, it, the conditions were brutal. And so he goes the, the the 10K, and he gets his butt kicked. And I'm not talking about the other competitors. I'm talking by the ocean. and and. I was nervous. I thought I broke the kid. I mean, he, you know, his bad waves, big swells, the whole nine yards. He lifted his head every stroke for 10,000 meters. And he got out and his shoulders were killing him. And I said, man, that was a horrible idea. Within two minutes of getting out, he goes, I want to do that again. And I was like, man, this is just a different cat. And so we were, you know, the same day that, that Hunter was, was going the back end pace, um, we're on the other side of the pool and we suited Charlie up. And we went 14 100s. And the goal was to hit mile pace on all of them. And I couldn't decide whether to go on a 120 or 130 pace. We ended up going on a 130. So we went one pace, one easy, two pace, one easy, three pace, one easy, four pace, one easy. And our goal was to hold 59.7. So I said, go hand touch, hold 59.1. He averaged somewhere between 56.8 and 57.2. And even split nonetheless, right? And I was like, Charlie, like, this isn't pace, dude. Let's slow it down. And um, so just that's kind of a little glimpse into how, how Charlie attacks things. Yeah, it's awesome. I want to transition to uh, some of your well-deserved accolades last week. Uh, how, how, does, how does the process work when you get invited to be part of the USA Swimming staff for, for World Championships? You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, this will be my fourth um, opportunity to represent 
on a U.S. staff. And uh, so I've been there with three different national team directors. And it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz, right? You're not sure what goes on behind the curtain. But none, nonetheless, you know, I, I got the call from uh, Lindsay on Saturday night. And she said, we'd like to know if you'd like to be a part of the staff. And, and I said, can I give you a call back? I'd like to talk to my wife first. And uh, so, I, you know, I talked it over with my wife. I talked it over with our staff. And, um, you know, just does it make sense and, and it's the right thing to do. I'm just going to tell you, the younger version of myself wouldn't have asked my wife. I'd just be like, yeah, I'm in. Uh, so, I, you know, I texted her back and I just said, you know, grateful for the opportunity and, and would love, you know, love the opportunity. So That's a great lesson for, for young coaches, too. And to talk to the staff as well. I mean, that's important because, like you have been for this entire discussion, you know, very, um, you know, complimentary of the rest of the staff and, and how they have contributed to all that success. And um, so that's a, that's a great perspective for, uh, for young coaches. How, how does this long course success change your college program? Well, we're, look, a lot of people don't like to, the, the word developmental. And I'm a developmental coach and we're a developmental program. And I don't care if you're an Olympian. You know, when, when you make the Olympic team, the goal is then to – to final and then the goals to podium and then the goals to win a gold and then the goals to set a world record. So there's always a process. There's always growth. And, and, you know, a hundred percent of our team stays here in the summer and train. And it's been the same. This is my 31st year coaching college. 29 of those years, it's been the same story. And so our success doesn't happen under the bright lights. Our success happens, you know, way far away from, from the cameras. And, and, you know, that's kind of cliche to say, but that's, that's the truth. And it's just, it is a process. And so, you know, I was really excited to get back here on Monday morning and, and you know, finals finish up for us today. And you know, we had a huge group here yesterday. We had a huge group here today, 100% optional, 100% voluntary. And, and so we've got a pretty good thing going here. And, and, you know, we train long course year round. So during the academic year, it might only be three out of the nine uh, workouts. During the summer, it might be, you know, four or five out of the nine workouts. And, and I like to believe that what we do in the summer complements short course and, and vice versa. I'm very interested to know how, A, you're getting so much buy-in for the spring voluntary workouts, and B, how you got to a point where everybody stays for the summer. I mean, uh, how, how did that come to be? Well, I, I think those are two different conversations. One is, is you know, and, and Nick Saban says, it well, and he can get away with it because he's a little bit older and he's had as much success as he, he has. And, and set that illusion that we have a choice, right? That when you sign up for certain things in life, really, you can say to yourself, you have a choice, but, but you don't. I mean, if, if, if you want to be a lead, if you want to be truly excellent at something, there's certain requirements. And, and, you know, that doesn't mean it has to be brutal or hard or a grind or, or any of that stuff, but it's just, it, it's simply, there is a process. And so when you respect that process, when you understand it and, and hopefully celebrate it, that makes it a lot of fun. And, and, you know, People have called a lot of different things. For us, we call it culture, right? And so that's been that's been a lot, lot of hard work over 14 years by a lot of people, and, and we're in a pretty good spot now. But but it's tenuous, right? I mean, I mean, you know, kids today, there, there's never been a better time to be a college student athlete. It's never been a harder time. And, and so for us as coaches, it means we've got to continue to grow. We've got to continue to evolve to make sure that culture meets our kids' needs where they are today. I'm not the same coach I was five years ago, 10 or even 20 years ago. And I better not be the coach next year than I am today. Um, so, so that's the first piece. Um, the second piece is the summer piece. And, and look, this is, 
this isn't a recruiting pitch for Ohio State. We're blessed. And, and I think everybody from the outside looking in knows, knows that we're blessed. So we've got some opportunities and some resources here that, quite frankly, nowhere else in the country has. So if you're on a books scholarship at Ohio State, summer is free, free tuition, books, and fees. Our athletic de department provides internships for a large part of our team. Our kids are going to graduate on time. That's a little bit misleading because they're all going to take classes in the summer. Summer is way busy, busier than the academic year because it's going to be research, internships, might be a part-time job, training. We're going to compete. And so there's a lot of moving pieces. So we'll be really busy till about that first week of August, and then we'll shut it down, you know, for about two or three weeks. We have a handful of kids, you know, Commonwealth Games or, you know, maybe somebody getting prepared for, for Australian uh, Short Course World Championships in September. But, but by and large, August, we'll shut it down for most of the team. A lot of really insightful, good stuff. I want to touch on one thing that you said as far as embracing the process and celebrating the process. What does celebrating the process look like? I want to have a lot of fun, you know? And so when, when we recruit kids, it's less about how talented or how tall you are than are we a good fit for each other? And, you know, that's the first piece. Second piece is this, and I'm going to go back to the staff, right? Like, so, so you know, I, I've got a, a fancy title and, and, you know, I get paid a little bit more than, than the assistants and the associates, but the truth is they do a ton of the work. We empower our, our assistants and our associates. We give them a lot of autonomy, a lot of ownership. When we, and, and most of what I've learned in coaching has been a function of failures or mistakes I've made in the past. So when, when we combined the programs at Ohio State five years ago, we were pretty purposeful in terms of what we did. And, and Gene called me up when, when Coach Wadley retired and he said, look, one of the options here is we'll combine. Regardless of what we do, uh, we're going to do it pretty quickly. Can you meet tomorrow morning? And so I didn't sleep a wink that night. And I wrote about 15 pages of notes, went in, met with, with Gene Smith, my, my AD. And I said, look, we shouldn't do this unless we do it right. He goes, I agree. And so I went through the 15 pages of notes and every single thing I'd written in there, said, no, it makes sense. And, and so one of the things that, that we did is we broken the team into five swimming zones plus diving. And the reason we have five zones is because we have five full-time coaches. And so zone one is male sprinter, zone two is female sprinter, zone three is middle distance, zone four is built around 4IM, and zone five is distance. And we didn't do that necessarily for the specificity of training, we did it for relationships. And when you're a zone coach in our program, you're responsible for all facets of the people in your zone their, their academics, their personal growth, the growth, the relationships, housing, everything good with their family. I mean, everything. And, and so that connection is, is paramount to what we do. And quite frankly, I think our success is a byproduct of it. And that to me is, is that idea of celebrating the process. So if you saw the relationships within the zones, you'd see what I'm talking about in terms of just that, that's where it's at. That's where the magic is. Within those zones, do they get to determine things like practice time, weights, all of those pieces as well? We have a lot of crossover. And so you're, you're in your zone probably 60% of the time. So, you know, we'll have a couple different weights groups. We'll have a couple different power groups. We'll have a couple different underwater kicking groups. You know, in the fall on Wednesday afternoons, we spent eight weeks on day three events. There's five events on day three of the NC2As. And so each coach became an expert on their day three event. And they were tasked with, you know, getting kids improvement over eight weeks in terms of, you know, building skill around that particular event. So 
but no, a lot of autonomy. Now, one and two work together a lot, a lot of crossover with your sprinters. Um, three isn't on an island, but it's our biggest group because it covers the most, you know, you'll have 100, 200, but some will go down to the 50, some will go up to the five. Uh, you know, the 400 IM, zones four and five work together a lot as well, just because you have some crossover there in terms of just what they need, maybe aerobically or with, with training. Yeah. Before I forget this question, because you talked about your relationship with the administration and it was on my list, just how long course success affects your relationship with administration, because in their world, their ultimate goal has to be focused around that NC2A season, which long course isn't a part of. So I guess I was just curious how all of this great success that you're having in the big pool um, affects that relationship. Do they care? Are they supportive of that? How, how does the uh, summer success affect that admin relationship. All right, so I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't want to get anybody in trouble here, but, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and answer pretty, pretty honestly. Um, so, so, 31 years coaching. I've been at three schools. I was at Ashland for four years. I was at Penn State for 13 years, and, and this is my 14th year at Ohio State. I've only had three ADs in 31 years, big ADs, right? And then underneath, so, so I've always sought really stable situations. Under those big 80s, you have a sport admin. And I've been fortunate to not have a lot of turnover with sport admin. So I had the same sport administrator at Ohio State for my first 13 and a half years. He just took a Division three head job up in, in Cleveland. And so I have a new sport admin. He works with, uh, with men's and women's tennis here at Ohio State. I've got, you know, everybody gets excited about Ohio State football. The best coach on our campus is our men's tennis coach. I mean, he's, he's, he's unbelievable what he does. And he has an international component to his program. And he's a lot of guys that have gone on and, and turned professional. So my boss is Mike Penner. And Mike's had a, a front row seat to see how tennis operates. And quite frankly, I asked Mike a lot of questions about how tennis you know, works here because I want to steal the good parts of what they're doing and, and bring it to our program. But part of it is an education. Another thing, I've, as soon as this meeting's over with you today, I have a meeting with Mike, a monthly check-in. And so he, he's a student of sport. He wants to learn more about swimming, more about diving, kind of how it works. I won't tell you who or where, but I did have, I had a, uh, you know, we had a travel person once asked me, we're getting ready for Olympic trials. This is a long time ago. And, and he said, do we really need to be taking kids to these meets? Like, this is a lot of money and it's a lot of extra effort. And I, I didn't say anything. And then I had another um, you know, administrator once asked, and, and it wasn't at Ohio State, you know, is this really kind of the path that you want to go on? Um, you know, and early in my career, I thought I wanted to be all things to all people, meaning, you know, I wanted a, I wanted a pro team and I wanted to, you know, have Olympians and national champions, win institutes, all that thing. I, I, I'm a college coach and, and that's my sweet spot. And anything that happens above and beyond that is just icing on the cake. And so, you know, if our kids are graduating in a timely fashion, they're leaving without much debt, and they're either getting into graduate professional school, have a job or go pro, then, then life is good. And, and so, um, but, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's my biggest concern, obviously, besides being away from my family for a month, is, is being away from the team. Because I was away from the team last summer way too much, and it hurt me in terms of just relationships with, with the kids and the groups. And uh, so I've been very mindful this spring of, of making sure that I'm in town as much as I can be. So, I mean, last summer, you know, it was big tens, big tens, NCs, NCs, open water nationals, 
uh, TY Army, Wave 1, Wave 2, uh, sectionals, nationals, and I think I was gone somewhere else as well. So you can do the math on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the support of the administration and just the way that the, the team is building obviously pulls you in a bunch of different directions. How, what's your vision at this point? And I'm sure it's different than the vision you had 14 years ago when you took on this position, but what would your vision for the program be for five years down the road right now? You know, I, I think that in this, I'm not being disingenuous saying this, you know, look, if, if, if we're continuing to grow, if kids come in here, if they have a good experience, if, if they get faster in the pool and they can look back and say, you know what, that was, that was pretty cool. Then, then we did our part. You know, we've consistently been in the top 10 for the past three or four years. So the you know, next logical thing is to try and move in the top five. Um, consistently compete for Big Ten titles. Uh, you know, help our kids pursue their, their dreams or their goals on the international stage. And so that's, that's you know, from an athletic standpoint, that's, that's kind of where we are and what we want to do. What do you see as the things that need to happen for for that to take place, starting to pop into the top five, maybe even, um, you know, top three. What needs to happen for Ohio State to be in the mix there? Well, I think consistency. You know, we, we've, we've kept a staff together for five years. Um, you know, Jordan Wolfen got the head job at UCLA. We'll have coaches on this current staff that can and should get opportunities elsewhere. There's, there's no question. You know, we're probably one of the few programs in the country where I've got five coaches on staff who could – hang a shingle as a, a head coach in the NC2A tomorrow. And, and I know how blessed I am to have an unbelievable staff, but we've been fortunate to keep a group together for a while. Uh, success breeds success, you know, and, and just the limited, you know, success we've had over the past 12 or 18 months, the caliber of, of recruits that are looking at us has changed significantly. And, and so um, the hope is to keep that, you know, keep that going. Can Ohio State win a national championship in there's, the next five to yeah, ten? There's no question. Yeah, all the pieces are here. You know, the weak the weak link might be right here. You know, I mean, that's that's uh, yes, we can. I'd like to go the opposite way with that question then, and or that answer, I should say, because when I talk to some of your assistants, they say that you are the strong link that makes everything go together. Um, you got to brag about yourself here. I know it's not always easy, but um, what are you doing so well that is leading to this success of the program? What have you learned? Um, and I know you've been very humble in the way that you've talked about your success coming from past mistakes, but what would you say you're doing really well right now? Well, my, my role or my vision has changed and, and that's not a, a function of, of age. That's you know, I can look around at Ohio State and see some people doing stuff at a really high level. So one, I've got an AD who's as good as they come. He's, he's transparent. He's very authentic. And uh, I don't feel like I work for him. I feel like I work with him. And I want to represent him in the university at a, at a high level because he just, he's, he's as good as they come. Um, you know, with, with combining the program, I, I didn't have a great experience at, at Penn State. And that, I own that. Um, my ego wrote checks that, that my skill set couldn't catch. And, you know, I, I, I invest as much time, effort, and energy into developing as our staff as I do our student athletes. And, and I'm very proud of that. So whether it's volunteers or assistants or associate head coaches, 
Um, and then you've got support staff as well. And let's face it, swimming and diving is a little bit different than a lot of other sports. And so whether it's, you know, nutrition, sports psych, strength and conditioning, athletic training, we've got a lot of people in alignment. We work hard at that. You know, we meet three times a week as a staff and uh, all those support uh, uh, people come in and meet with us as well. So, so they're invested and, and that's something that's pretty neat. And, you, you know, I'll say this tongue in cheek. Um, I work with zone five and, and people say, well, why? You know, my, my passion isn't necessarily distance swimming. And, and this is honest to goodness truth. It's because I, I had last pick. I let all of our assistants pick what zones they wanted to work with. And uh, that way I was putting people into roles or areas where they were going to be invested and it played to their strengths. And it ended up working out really well because I have a little bit of a smaller group and I always have one of our volunteer assistants go with me. And that allows me to not micromanage, but to keep an eye on kind of the, the bigger picture. Um, so I, you know, I've stolen some things from Ohio State football. I've stolen some things from, from other coaches here at, at the university. And, and a lot of them have worked and, you know, some of them haven't. When it comes to, you know, filling in those other four roles, you know, the other five time, the five coaches that are full-time, what do you look for that makes, in your opinion, a good coach, not a good assistant coach, because I know that's a big trendy thing to ask coaches what makes a good assistant coach, which is important too. But what makes a good swimming coach? Break it down as simple as you can. Like when you're hiring, um, what are you looking for that makes a good swim coach? So it's it, it's not even a swimming coach. It's just a coach, and it, and it's three things. It's it's connection, it's character, and it's competence. You've got to be elite in those three areas. And and I would argue. Um, you know, for us, connection is, is just taking the time to care, listen, and, and connect. And, and you look at, at Matt Bow and, and Matt comes to mind because he works with Hunter. His, his gift, he's a good coach. He can coach any of the five zones, right? His gift is EQ. He, he has incredible emotional intelligence. And his ability to connect with athletes is world class. And, and that's the goal is to find people that can connect at a high, high level. And it gets harder and harder, right? Because there's a lot going on in the world today. You know, character, you can't tell somebody you're, you're high character. It's just observed behavior over time. Um, you can make some assumptions. And certainly, you know, every time I go to a meet, I'm kind of keeping an eye on people to, to see, you know, if, if we lose somebody, who, who do I want to bring in? I want to bring in somebody where we're not going to miss a beat. And then competence, quite frankly, is why I get out of bed in the morning, right? It's simply the ability to help get people from point A to point B. And for us in a collegiate setting, you know, that's academically, that's athletically, and it's also personal growth. Um, so, so no, the, those three things are, those drive my decisions in terms of who I want to s surround myself with. Great stuff. A lot of really good stuff. I got two more questions and I think they're fun ones because they revolve around fun, which I think is something we should talk about as coaches. How do you make practice fun? We talked about celebrating stuff, but how do you make practice fun? If you know the team needs one, how do you make practice fun? Well, I, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, so I had an awesome week last week, not just because the kids were swimming well. It was a small group. It was finals. I, you know, a lot of them were stressing out about that. So I, I was just trying to keep things light. I had a gut feeling we were going to be pretty good last week. And, and I, I tell the kids, I said, look, you know, you, you can't miss a taper. You can miss a season. You can't miss a taper, right? And at that point in the year, my role is really it's to drive the vans. It's to order the food. So, you know, just kind of keep you out of your own way. So Amy Fulmer, um, she's got ready for the – 50 backstroke, right? And uh, Amy Foles, she's another small town kid, right? She's from Bell Fountain, Ohio. And uh, 
I said, all right, Amos, if you go top eight in the 50 backstroke, I'm going to ride the pony down, down the pool deck. And I said, then you've got to come back with the six shooters, and then Brian's going to make it rain. And uh, I think she finished ninth in, in prelims, but then she finaled in, in, uh, in the 100 backstroke. And so she was, she was walking back towards us, and we had a little bit of fun with her. But, but just, you know, with, with, um, with the group I work with 60% of the time, which is the distance kids, uh, you get to know kids on a pretty deep level. And, and you can kind of tell when they're having a good day when they're not having it. Like I like to have a lot of fun when, when I coach, right? And, and, let's, and let's face it, if you can make distance swimming fun, like, yeah, yeah, life's pretty good. For sure, for sure. And speaking of life being pretty good, last question, what do you do for fun outside the pool? Well, I hammered on the Peloton this morning, right? And I hadn't done that in about two weeks. And so um, that was fun. Uh, my wife and I, so we've been married uh, 25 years. We have four children. And we, anytime I'm in town, we go on a date on Saturday nights. And we always try a new restaurant. And uh, so that is, that is my idea of fun. I don't, I don't golf. I don't do any other stuff. Um, during the, the pandemic, I walked a lot. I was like the Forrest Gump out in my town. I mean, people, you know, <laughs> say, hey, I saw you up at the golf course or whatever. But uh, I kinda, I'm a low-key guy, right? I like it. Hey, I really appreciate all this insight, Bill. Um, congratulations on what has been, you know, a fabulous career, but in particular, a fabulous last year here. Um, and yeah, it sounds like Ohio State is in such a good place. And I can't wait to watch the continued growth. Uh, and, you know, as a young college coach, I just really appreciate the insight and all of the valuable tips and, and insights that you just lent us. So thank you very much for your time, Bill. Well, Garrett, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity and, and you and I have known you. You were up in Seattle and Pat Scherf won a title way back in the day. And so I, I love your, your passion for the sport and I'm grateful for our relationship. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. You too. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim Podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.